How's that Sanctuary City thing working out for you? <laughs> Malaria comes back to Florida and Texas. Thank you, Bill Gates. Maybe. And the Netherlands is going all out on euthanizing not just people in general, but very specific people. Mm. We will tell you about that and more coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show for a Friday. Happy Friday. Yep, it's begun. We're underway. We got lots coming up tonight, including, uh, of course, uh, all that stuff we just previewed. And, of course, the Supreme Court got rid of affirmative action for all intents. Brilliant move. I, I love this. Somebody wrote, Republicans... Black people are just as smart as everyone else. They'll be fine. Democrats. Black people are too stupid to get into Ivy League schools. They need extra assistance. Hmm. So, the sheets have finally come off. There we go. All right, before we get started into all that crap, let's start with the most important news of all, and that's our Miko update. Miko is our little Shiba Inu baby, and she is doing just great. She's guarding the house in her usual evening position, having a great time with the... Uh, oh, man, I'm telling you, you know, tonight there's a dog that lives up around the corner, and she always stops by and visits. Her, uh, the dog's name is Alfie. It's a he. They get along great. Alfie likes to play, but they never actually meet face to face. And it's always Alfie at his house behind the gate. And Miko's great with him, and Alfie's kind of playful. Well, tonight, Alfie's owners, nice couple, stopped by with Alfie as they were going for a walk, and they came up to the gate. She went nuts, crazy nuts, barking, growling. This, She has this evil, I know, you look at her face and you think, how could this possibly have an evil side? But she was really viciously growling and snarling at Alfie. She never does that. I think it was just, you know, she was protecting her palace mostly because she always sees him at his house. She rarely sees him at her house. So anyway, <laughs> she had a bit of a do tonight with uh, with Alfie. But other than that, she's great. BarkBox.com slash Miko. They are the sponsor of the Miko update. Hey, what are you waiting for? If you haven't checked out BarkBox.com, do it now, would you? It really is an amazing... Tr- if you are a dog owner, you really des- your dog deserves this. Every month, you'll get delivered right to your door a themed box with two toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew inside. Fantastic stuff. Brilliant toys. Your dogs will love them. They'll go crazy for them, I promise. They are absolutely amazing. And BarkBox.com gives you this special offer when you use our link, which is slash Miko, M-I-K-O. You get a free month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. Do it for your dog, would you? Your dog will love you for it. They have a 100% happiness guarantee. If you're ever not happy with anything, get a hold of them. They'll make it right one way or the other. But you really got to check these guys out. You know, do yourself a favor. If you want to know more about it, go over to a video sharing channel. I can't recommend YouTube because ScrewTube is a you know, complete nightmare. But that might be one. And just put BarkBox Review in there. You'll see thousands of these reviews of the bark box uh, gift boxes they're, they're fantastic 
And uh, check out BarkBox.com slash Miko while you're at it and find out more about their amazing offer from BarkBox and the Jay Sheldon Show. All right. Hey, I found I've got exclusive video. You will not believe this. We're going to start off. I know it's not the Sanctuary City thing. We'll get to that in a minute. But when the Supreme Court ruling came down, there were some very important social influencers from the left who reacted to it in in a very scholarly way. Do we have that? We have that video? You cue that up? Okay. You're not going to believe this. Uh, you know, it almost changed my mind that these people may have a point. Here is some of the influencers on the left reacting to today's or yesterday's SCOTUS announcement. Okay, okay, yeah, enough, 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 enough. <laughs> Basically, that's what it came down to, actually. it's That's not that far from the truth. Ah, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Clarence Thomas, who came out with uh, <laughs> the response to... Uh, Justice Jackson's defense of race-based admissions. Uh, Race-infused worldview falls flat at each step. This is a great article. It is in our show notes. You'll want to check it out. There is the incredible Mr. Thomas, Justice Thomas. It's from The Blaze. He uh, wrote a blistering opinion supporting the high court's ruling against affirmative action at Harvard and University of North Carolina. And uh, Thomas extensively rebuffed Justice Kentani Brown Jackson's dissent, um, although she joined the minority without qualification. Jackson wrote her own dissenting opinion to expound upon the universal benefits of considering race in this context. Because our country has never been colorblind. So anyway, she argued affirmative action is legal. It's necessary to atone for generational discrimination against black people in America, sins that have never been fully rectified. Well, in a concurring opinion, 59 pages worth. Wow. Thomas wrote to articulate an originalist's defense of the colorblind institution. Now, deep into the opinion, Thomas explained his thesis. So here's a short little paragraph, but listen close. Racism simply cannot be undone by different or more racism. Instead, the solution announced in the second founding is incorporated in our Constitution, that we are all equal and should be treated 
equally before the law without regard to our race. Only that promise can allow us to look past our differing skin colors and identities and see each other for what we truly are, individuals with unique thoughts, perspectives, goals, but with equal dignity and equal rights under the law. Wow. And for the next six pages, Thomas went on ripping into Jackson's argument, but this is just brilliant. Check out the rest of it if you'd like. I just want to read that important part because, man, that really just says it all. He summed it up, as he often does, perfectly, perfectly. All right, so sanctuary cities, are you having a good time with those? Yeah. I got a top five list for you. The top five, this is from uh, the ACRU.org, American Constitutional Rights Union. The top five reasons to oppose sanctuary cities. Well, first of all, they're illegal. But anyway, let's get to the list. Reason five, because sanctuary cities facilitate and encourage illegal immigration. They are unfair to legal immigrants who waited in line, followed the rules, and showed full respect for the law. Number four, sanctuary cities impose costs on their residents. You don't think this is costing you money. It's costing you a freaking fortune. Citizens and legal immigrants, they shouldn't have to bear these costs. Tax dollars, your tax dollars, that ought to properly benefit the people who paid them is instead going to underwrite hospital, police, prison, education services for people who weren't here in the first place, have never paid any taxes and are totally not entitled to those services. But they're getting them. Number three, sanctuary cities promote crime. And uh, you know what? I don't want to hear it. Just shut up and sit down. They absolutely promote crime, jeopardizing you and me, our safety. The LA Times recently reported mind-boggling 2005 study by the Government Accountability Office. The study examined the cases of over 55,000 illegal immigrants incarcerated in federal, state, and local facilities. It found that they had been previously arrested on average of eight times each. Each one of these 55,000 illegal immigrants had been arrested eight times previously on average. Many also had been convicted of violent crimes. We deserve better than that, folks. We need to. And reason number two, sanctuary cities burden and endanger the police. There's no doubt about that. In litigation being prepared to challenge the oldest of the sanctuary cities, which is Los Angeles, the attorney undertaking the case free of charge said one of the reasons he offered his services was, as the L.A. Times reported, to help out police officers so they don't have to put their lives on the line, repeatedly re-arresting offenders who should have been deported the first time they broke the law. We have a a revolving door, he says, out there in terms of people. 
we arrest for drug offenses and who are in this country illegally. And finally, the number one reason to oppose sanctuary cities, they breed disrespect for the rule of law. They in and of themselves are breaking the law. Police, of all people, are told by uh, politicians uh, running the city to simply look the other way at illegal immigration. Now, what message does that send to our cops? No, no, don't bother with that. Just turn, turn your back, look the other way. If these elected officials pretending to be leaders can turn their backs on laws, we just don't like that one, so we're not going to pay attention to it. Where does that stop? Are they free to disregard federal laws against heroin, LSD, cocaine, on the theory that the drug penalties are just too harsh, so we're not going to enforce those laws anymore? Folks, you can't do that. That's not how it works. And once the drug laws are tossed overboard, what's next? Oh, you know, he only shot you in the leg, so we're, we're not going to charge him. It's, it's okay. You have to understand he's had a rough life. Uh, we're going down that road. We are going down that road. Democratic self-government presupposes fidelity to law, even when you disagree with it, where it otherwise self-government would dissolve into anarchy. All are free to attempt to change the law. You can change the law if you don't agree with it. Persuasion, argument. In other words, make your case to the electorate. Get the law changed legally. But you are not free to thumb your nose at the law. It doesn't work that way. Much less tell cops that they have to follow the same grossly irresponsible and very dangerous path. Frightening, absolutely frightening. And yet, sanctuary cities continue to pop up all over the place and they continue to cause problems. And notice, to say, check this out. It's from uh, fairus.org. Love this article. Read the whole thing. I'm just going to hit the highlights. A notice to sanctuary cities from small town America. Clean up your own damn mess. Mm. Unity, Maine. Unity, Maine. About as tranquil and peaceful as the name implies. Incorporated in 1804, a long time ago. In fact, not far after the independence, uh, War of Independence. There's about 2,200 people that live there. The rolling hills of Waldo County. Not far from the mid-coast of the Pine Tree State of Maine. Off the beaten path. And uh, it's a TripAdvisor's top recommendation. Apple drinks. Northern Solstice Alpaca Farm is there. (laughs) The town's office official but quaint website recommends grabbing a treat at Conezy Ice Cream on Depot Street. This town seems to embody just about every aspiration of one of Maine's great senators, Margaret Chase Smith. She says, as an American, I want to see our nation recapture the strength and unity it once had when we fought the enemy instead of ourselves. Simple, safe, civil, quality of life, 
Unity's got that in abundance. Well, meanwhile, 92 miles to the south, in the urbanized progressive hub of Portland, Maine, leftist politicians are hatching up a plan for the good citizens of Unity that may pretty much change absolutely everything right about unity. Portland's sanctuary policies for illegal aliens and its official support of NGOs advocating the endless stream of refugee asylum seekers over many years has resulted in nothing but chaos. The city received far more than it can handle. Housing, resources, money depleted, Migrant flows continue 1,500 just this year into Portland. Well, out of desperation, the Greater Portland Council of Governments has sent a proposal to state legislatures calling for 600 asylum seekers, mostly from East Africa and Middle Eastern countries, to be transferred to Unity, Maine. There are about 2,200 people in this town, and they want to shove 600 illegal immigrants into unity. That's where this is going, when these sanctuary cities realize they can't handle it. And it would absolutely and completely destroy this town. I am saying destroy. All right, one more, and this has to do specifically with why there was a rotten apple on our thumbnail tonight. A toll of border crisis on states. This is part four from the Daily Signal of a four-part series um, about this border crisis. There's this moron. The border crisis persists. Illegal aliens dispersing into every congressional district in the country. And every state affected by the financial strain of the mass illegal immigration. New York, which welcomes illegal aliens, sanctuary policies, now witnessing the toll that this kind of policy and these policies are taking on hospitals, education systems, and most importantly, the people who live there legally and who are citizens. A recent analysis reveals, listen to this, the Empire State bears an astounding annual cost of 9.9, almost $10 billion in government services that would benefit more than a million illegal aliens. And there are approximately 372,000 U.S.-born children just short of $10 billion advocated to educational services, health care, law enforcement, corrective services, public assistance, an average cost per illegal of 6846 imposing an additional burden of $1,321 on every single New York household. You happy to be paying that there? Mm. 
get out. Get out. They can't handle it anymore. And now they don't know what to do. And likely what they're going to wind up doing is the Big Apple's going to be shipping them in other places, like quaint little towns in Maine where Portland can't handle it. They want to ship what is basically, what, about a quarter to a fifth of the same population of the local residents into Unity? This is insane, folks. This is insane. And all this because of these ridiculous damned sanctuary cities, which do nothing but tear us all apart. Just keep that border open, Joe. Working out great so far. Okay. Coffee break. Actually, it's not just a coffee break. It's a blackout coffee break. Oh, yeah. Blackout coffee. Love it. These guys are great. This is a company that supports our conservative values, American values, hard work, uh, good old-fashioned family, and they also support our troops, troops, our first responders right there at work on duty, Operation Blackout Coffee. You've got to check these guys out. It is amazing the things that they do for our troops and for our first responders. Blackout Coffee founded on the principles of conservative values, hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, traditional American values. They source premium specialty grade green coffee beans grown at the perfect altitude, right time of year in the best soil, harvested at just the right time, and roasted just before you order. And uh, they are packed shipped with lightning speed 24 to 48 hours from the time you order. And that means you get the beans just days after they've been roasted. The combination of their premium beans, highly controlled roasting process, and immediate shipping gives you an elite coffee experience. Fully automatic coffee. <laughs> this company, I tell you, the owner of this company cares about true things. The United States of America, our values, and putting together a damn good cup of coffee, including a Dan Bongino blend, by the way. You can check that out while you're there. The link is in our show notes for a special deal. And be sure you check this out because when you go to check out, you use the promo code J20, J-A-Y-20 at checkout and you will get 20% off your first order. J20, J-A-Y-20 for 20% off your first order Blackout Coffee, do check them out. Give them a uh, try. You will not be disappointed. I'm telling you, folks, this company makes the most amazing coffee you have ever tasted. Coffee for people who love America, for people who love our conservative values, Blackout Coffee. Check out the link in our show notes. Give them a try. All right. Well, here's something that doesn't go along with our American value, and that is the FBI sticking your biodata into a database where it can be held for whatever nefarious purpose they might have. Check this out. This just broke. Just, just broke yesterday. The FBI's biometric database has over 2.5 million iris records iris you know iris your eye yeah they're holding 2.5 million iris id records digital landscape 
quickly transforming FBI's next generation identification, NGI. They kind of have initials for everything, don't they? Well, it's uh, likely going to come under scrutiny by the potential infringement on privacy, civil liberties. In collaboration with Iris ID Technology, they have amassed 2.5 million identities and is burgeoning at an astonishing rate of every month they enter in 100,000 new Iris identities, biodata from your eyes. In addition, they have access to 15 million identities present in other federal government agencies. Might seem like a boon for law enforcement. It raises some very serious questions about the extent of surveillance, potential misuse of biometric data, the fusion of IRS, or IRIS ID technology with the FBI's program. It's been going on since 2014. Very quietly. Shh. Don't tell anyone. This service allows access to a huge depository of iris biometric data. Iris, your eye. Mm. Coupled with fingerprint and face biometrics. Wow. Data breaches, of course, happen all the time. We just did stories from last night's show about the airline, the government agencies who are hacked, all your personal information gone. And the protection, the ethical use of all of this sensitive bio data, it's paramount. I mean, come on. If you're going to keep this stuff, you better make damn sure it's protected. The potential risk of this information falling into the wrong hands and being used for nefarious purposes, huge. And it happens all the freaking time. Don't kid yourself. It happens all the time. That thin line between guarding our national security and creating a huge surveillance state. And frankly, I don't think they give a crap. All they care about is creating a giant surveillance state. That's what they want. They want the power. And you and my freedom, privacy, right out the window. Gone. Do something. Hopefully, when the next president gets in there, we will have to deal considerably less with this crap. dismantle the entire FBI. All right, Florida, you got it coming at you. It's happening, believe it or not, after years, malaria is back. Florida has issued a statewide emergency malaria alert. Youch. Uh, four people in Sarasota contracted malaria in locally transmitted cases. That comes a day after the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention issued a similar notice for Florida and Texas. All individuals, as a quote, all individuals have been treated and have recovered. Malaria transmitted through infected mosquitoes. Florida Department of Health issued a state uh, press release on the 27th, just a couple days ago. They stated the ground and airborne spraying that targets mosquitoes will be carried out around Sarasota which is near Tampa, to mitigate transmission. 
effective treatment readily available through hospitals, other care providers, uh, individuals in the era with symptoms of fever, chills, sweats, nausea, vomiting, headache, you know, all the good stuff, should seek immediate, no, no kidding around, seek immediate medical attention. Don't just think you got a flu bug. Go get checked. It might be that, especially if you live in these areas. Now, is it a coincidence that Bill Gates just released hundreds of thousands of biometrically engineered mosquitoes in, oh, let's see, Florida and Texas? Yeah, look that one up. By the way, here in Malaysia, we have, yes, we have malaria, not as prevalent, but what we do have here that is very prevalent and very dangerous is dengue fever. Trust me, you do not want to get dengue fever, and it happens a lot, actually. Uh, most people survive it. Some people do not. It can be extremely, extremely dangerous. So while malaria is an issue, uh, it's dengue here that we really have to be. In fact, in our neighborhood, there was an outbreak of uh, dengue just not so long ago. Here's the article, by the way. I put it in the show notes for you. A company just released 150,000 genetically modified mosquitoes into the United States for the first time, thanks to a biotech firm funded by Bill Gates. Let's see. He comes out with a vaccine, and we have a pandemic for the vaccine. He comes out with genetically modified mosquitoes, and we have a mosquito problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the Oxitec going ahead with plans to release eventually hundreds of millions of these gene-altered mosquitoes in Florida. DeSantis, what the hell are you doing down there? Hello, McFly. They're going to test an experimental new form of population control. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? The initial batch of mosquitoes was released this week. Read this whole article. <laughs> Just... Yep. And nobody stops him. Legally. Law-wise, regulation-wise. Oh, yeah, Bill. Uh -huh. Good job. Keep going. Do more. Govern me harder, Daddy. Unbelievable. <clears throat> well, here's an upsetting one. This comes from, uh, <laughs> comes from the Epic Times. We've been doing a lot about transgender stuff lately, gender surgery. Basically cutting the nuts off of kids or lopping the breasts unnecessarily off little girls. Absolutely disgusting. The U.S., the United States, ramping up their transgender procedures. Meantime, guess who isn't? European countries. They are backing away. Yep, this is for minors. You're old enough, you're over 18, 21, whatever the majority age is in your state. Knock yourself out. You want to screw up the rest of your life? You go right ahead and do it. You're an adult. But if you're 12 or 14 or 16 or 17, you ain't. 
Much of America has turned a blind eye to how medical institutions in the European nations have shifted away from transgender procedures, according to doctors very critical of the model that we are following in the U.S. Julia Mason, who's a doctor, member of the American Academy of Pediatrics, told the Epic Times the push in the U.S. for transgender medical intervention on minors is primarily political, like you didn't know that already. It's also linked to profit-making, of course. The U.S. becoming more of an outlier every day, every country, every country that's taken a serious look at the evidence of gender-affirming care, which is just another way of saying chopping kids' private parts off, for absolutely no good reason. It's child molestation. It's not gender-affirming care. It's disgusting. Every country who's taken a serious look at the evidence has concluded that medical transition of children is at best experimental, and the evidence does not support doing it. Every country. Here in the U.S., healthcare industry, AAP, ramped up the promotion and the use of puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and have even recommended gender transition surgeries for children. Biden and the Blue states harden their political resolve to support what they call gender-affirming procedures as the only approach to treatment for the recent surge in gender dysphoria. Red states pushing back, thankfully, with legislation to protect minors from what a lot of Americans see as simply child abuse. And that is exactly what it is. Rest of that story is in our show notes tonight. I cannot encourage you enough to check it out, read it, share it out there with your friends and your family, and let people know exactly what's going on. Now, while a lot of countries in Europe, the EU and all, have been doing a brilliant job of protecting our kids and looking at the realistic side of gender-affirming care. Okay, can we not have this video playing, please? Let's do that. Hang on, I just got to close this stupid thing. All right, this, you know we did the thing about the drag queens who were using uh, Down syndrome kids, abusing them? I got a, I got one that takes it a step further from the Netherlands. What the hell is going on in the Netherlands? Netherlands is, is euthanizing autistic and intellectually handicapped people. We live in evil, evil times. Intellectual disability played a significant role in the suffering of 21% of those euthanized. Euthanized. You do know what that word means, right? 
dead, killed. Netherlands programs have killed. You know what? I'm not even going to use euthanized. Murdered. Otherwise, healthy individuals, perfectly healthy people with autism and intellectual handicaps in recent years, according to research. This is, this is unfreaking believable. You must, must read this article. I don't want to tell you what to do, but trust me, please read this article. It'll piss you off as much as it pisses me off. Five individuals under the age of 30 who cited autism as a factor in their decision to seek legal euthanasia. Among the cases reviewed by specialists at the UK's Kingston University, factors directly associated with intellectual disability and or ASD were the sole cause of suffering described in 21% of the cases and a major contributing factor in a further 42% of cases. That according to the report from Kingston University. The study noted in many cases, doctors determined there was, quote, no prospect of improvement for intellectually challenged individuals because there is no treatment for their handicap. So we'll just murder them. It's okay. We'll just kill them. Doesn't matter. This is the freaking Netherlands. Physician-assisted suicide. Euthanasia. We live in an evil, evil, evil world. I... I'm just laying it out there. All right. My last one here tonight, before we get on with our book, is a tweet. Uh, let me give a hat tip here. Cold957, at Cold957 on Twitter. Greta Thunberg is a con artist. Oh, yeah. Choose your heroes wisely. I love this. Greta Thunberg, a 16-year-old, said... How dare you? That was a pretty good impression. In front of the cameras. How dare you? And the world press was immediately immortalized her as a global celebrity. How dare you? Jadav Molai Payeng. Bet you never heard of him. 16 years old when he started planting trees on a sandbar at the Brahmaputra River. He created a 1,360-acre forest reserve all by himself, simply planting trees one at a time. He spent 36 years of his life on this without seeking the limelight, a prize, any kind of salary. He just did it because it was the right thing to do. You've never heard of him. His forest that he built with his own hands 
is now the habitat for between 90 and 100 elephants. That was reported in 2008. Three to five royal Bengal tigers, a horned rhino, and hundreds of other species. From this forest that Jadav Molai Payang built himself beginning when he was 16 years old. Forget the globe. Most of his countrymen do not even know this guy. And yet that's what he accomplished compared to Greta. How dare you? Who's done absolutely nothing but preach about completely fake climate change bullshit. Well, Jadav, good on you. Wow. I know you're not doing it for the limelight, but you deserve something. A lot you deserve. That's in, that, is, that is absolutely amazing. Share that tweet out. It's incredible. Wow. Wow. Okay. We've just about covered everything I'd planned on covering tonight, with the exception of our book, of course. We are reading 1984 from George Orwell. We normally be reading uh, children's classic literature. We've done The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Little Prince, Jungle Book, so many great children's books. And then uh, one of our crazy viewers said, why don't you read 1984 to fit right into your show? You know what? You're damn right. And that's what we started doing quite a while ago. It's a long book. We're about halfway through chapter 17, which is a long chapter. So we're going to continue it on now and uh, get back into it. This is George Orwell's 1984. The hate continued exactly as before, except the target had been changed. The thing that impressed Winston in looking back was the speaker had switched from one line to the other exactly and actually in mid-sentence, not only without a pause, but without even breaking the syntax. At the moment, he had other things to preoccupy him. It was during the moment of disorder that posters were being torn down. A man whose face he didn't see had tapped him on the shoulder and said, Excuse me, I think you've dropped your briefcase. He took the briefcase abstractly and without speaking. He knew it would be days before he had an opportunity to look inside it. The instant the demonstration was over, he went straight to the Ministry of Truth. Though the time was now nearly 23 hours, the entire staff of the Ministry had done likewise. The orders already issuing from the telescreens, recalling them to their posts, was hardly necessary. Oceania was at war with East Asia. Oceania had always been at war with East Asia. A large part of the political literature of five years was now completely obsolete. Reports Records of all kinds, newspapers, books, pamphlets, films, soundtracks, photographs, all had to be rectified at lightning speed, although no directive was ever issued. It was known the chiefs of the department intended that within one week, no reference to the war with Eurasia 
or the alliance with East Asia should remain in existence anywhere. The work was overwhelming, all the more so because the process that it involved could not be called by their true names. Everyone in the records department worked 18 hours in the 24 with two three-hour snatches of sleep. Mattresses brought up from the cellars pitched all over the corridors. Meals consisted of sandwiches and victory coffee wheeled around on trolleys by attendants from the canteen. Each time Winston broke off for one of his spells of sleep, he tried to leave his desk clear of work, and each time that he crawled back, sticky-eyed and aching, it was to find another shower of paper cylinders had covered the desk like a snowdrift half burying the speakwrite, overflowing onto the floor, so the first job was always to stack them into a neat pile, enough to give him room to work. What was worst of all was the work was by no means purely mechanical. Often it was enough merely to substitute one name for another, but any detailed report of events demanding care and imagination even the geographical knowledge of, that one needed in transferring the war from one part of the world to another was considerable. By the third day, his eyes ached unbearably. Spectacles needed a wiping every few minutes. It was like struggling with some crushing physical task, something that one had the right to refuse and one which one was nevertheless neurotically anxious to accomplish. Insofar as he had time to remember it, he wasn't troubled by the fact that every word he murmured into the speakwrite, every stroke of his ink pen, was a deliberate lie. He was as anxious as anyone else in the department that the forgery should be perfect. On the morning of the sixth day, the dribble of cylinders slowed down. For as much as half an hour... Nothing came out of the tube. Then one more cylinder. Then nothing. Everywhere at about the same time, the work was easing off. A deep and, as it were, secret sigh went through the department. A mighty deed, which could never be mentioned, had been achieved. It was now impossible for any human being to prove by documentary evidence that the war with Eurasia had ever happened. At 1200, it was unexpectedly announced that all workers in the ministry were free until tomorrow morning. Winston, still carrying the briefcase containing the book, which had remained between his feet while he worked and under his body when he slept, went home, shaved himself, almost fell asleep in his bath, although the water was barely more than tepid. With a sort of voluptuous creaking in his joints, he climbed the stair above Mr. Charrington's shop. He was tired, but he couldn't sleep any longer. He opened the window, lit the dirty little oil stove, and put on a pan of water for coffee. Julia would arrive pleasant presently. Meanwhile... There was the book. He sat down in the sluttish armchair and undid the straps of the briefcase. A heavy black volume. 
amateurishly bound. No name or title on the cover. The print also looked slightly irregular. Pages, worn at the edges, fell apart easily, as though the book had passed through many hands. The title inscription on the title page ran, The Theory and Practice of Oligarchical Collectivism by Emmanuel Goldstein. Winston began reading. Chapter 1. Ignorance is Strength. And that's where we're going to pop it off for tonight. Wow. This chapter 17 is a cooker. <laughs> we are finally getting the chance to read Goldstein's book. And we'll continue that on Monday's show. All right, thank you so much. been a great week. Really do appreciate it. If you don't mind, please just take a second, hit that follow button right there on Rumble. Really do appreciate it. It helps the show out a lot. And uh, thank you. Thank you. It's free for you, by the way. Very easy to do. Just click follow and boom, you're done. I will see you again on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Good night.